0: Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to the Narratives of Purpose. You are now tuned into a new episode showcasing unique stories of change makers, of people who are contributing to make a difference in society. This show was created to amplify social impact by sharing individual journeys of ordinary people who I believe are making extraordinary impact within their communities and around the world. My name is Claire Morigande, I am your host on this podcast. And if you are looking for inspiration and want to take action, then look no further. You are in the right place. Get comfortable and listen to my conversations. We are back for a new season of our show. This is season number four. We have a lineup of amazing guests and a few surprise episodes to come. So do stay tuned for that. Today's episode features Emmanuel Savanier, better known as Trinity Heavens. That was his stage name, and I will also call him Trinity. So Trinity is the founder of Era92 Creative, which is a design agency based in Kampala, the capital city of Uganda, in case some of you might not know. Era92 commits its profits to invest in youth talents from slum communities around the country. As a social entrepreneur, Trinity is on a mission to create 10,000 jobs for young Africans by 2030. In this discussion, Trinity shares with me his passion for upskilling the next generation of talents in preparation for jobs and entrepreneurial opportunities on the continent. I invite you to take a moment and share your feedback on our podcast by giving us a review on Apple Podcasts. This will help other listeners find our show and further amplify the stories we bring on the narratives of purpose. You might also want to sign up for our monthly newsletters so you can stay informed firsthand about all our activities but especially get previews of upcoming guests. Simply head to our website at narratives-of-purpose.podcastpage.io. But for now, let's get into the conversation with Trinity. So good morning, Trinity. A very warm welcome to the Narratives of Purpose. First things first, why don't you introduce yourself and share a few words of your background to our listeners? What would you like them to know about you?
1: Um, my name is Trinity. I'm known by Trinity. Trinity but my full name is Emmanuel Savanye. And then I added Trinity. So uh, I grew up, uh, I ended up in one of the worst slums at the age of three months when my mom was abused. And uh, when she got pregnant, her parents denied her because of the child she had conceived without a father. And also the father at that particular time didn't want to do anything with the child. They didn't want to take responsibility. So I ended up in the slums. I got rescued from the slums of the streets. I was given a computer and from that computer trained myself to become a designer, which helped me overcome the streets. I got a job and I decided I'm the only one who has a job in the slums. So I quit my job. I went back to start era 92 because I was born in 1992. And the reason why the year is important for me, because I'm sure all the things I've gone through, I'll be dead by now. And so I'm alive because of a purpose and I decided to use my time over here, my era, to make a difference in the lives of young people across Africa.
0: So tell me about Era 92. You told me you're a designer and from what I've gathered, it's a creative design company. Tell me, first of all, how did you put that together? Who are you working with? And then we can go further on how you're helping the youth uh, build up their skills as well.
1: As I mentioned to you, uh, at the age of nine, I was part of a gang uh, that I was Know, recruited into as a young boy and uh, we were recruited to do sorts of things, drugs and also deals uh, because at that age, no one would expect a young boy like me to be harmful to them, but we were harmful. And so during that time, I was when I was part of these gangs, we lost so many of my friends uh, due to mob justice, gangs and fightings that were happening across the, the slums. Actually, the slum that I was born into was called Kosovo. I don't know if you know about Kosovo, but that's not the Kosovo I'm talking about. This is a Kosovo in Uganda, but it was named after the Kosovo Russia, because of the killings, the fighting that was happening. So it was a very, very bad area. I was lucky enough that, you know, the four years that I spent on the streets, I did not lose my life, but many of my friends did lose their lives. And so one day I was rescued by a group of missionaries who had come to build a school for neglected, abused street children. And that, that school was called Treasured Kids. So during that time, um, when they picked us up the streets, we tried to run away because we were wild kids. But one of the ladies on that group asked me, hey, Emma, uh, what's one thing that we can give you that you never go back on the streets, that you can ditch all the things that you're doing? So I knew exactly I'm gonna ask what I want, so ask for a computer. And this lady called Jennifer and Roberta, they were true to their word. They gave me a computer the next day. And so they invited me to the church. They, you know, I started engaging in, with those activities and I started, you know, less and less engaging in the street, uh, gangs that I was part of. And that started actually providing me with the opportunity to train, uh, with the computer that I had this, the church had the internet. And so, so many things started to happen. So I started training myself to become a designer. I started a media department in that church where we are you know, doing the worship things, the branding for the church, I designed their logo. And so I uh, used all the skills to become better every single day until I was discovered by uh, Coca-Cola at the age of 17 uh, through a Coca-Cola campaign that was running through the slums where they were looking for ghetto talent. So I presented my poster that I had designed for Coca-Cola, a mocha poster, and one of the marketing managers saw it and they picked me out and they say, Are you up for an internship at one of our advertising agencies? I said, why not? So they offered me that opportunity where I could go train, but also earn money. And that job made a huge difference in my life because right now I was working. I left the slums, I was working in a corporate world and I was earning enough money to put myself back to school, but also help my mom. And when that happened, it was not a story for so many young people in my slums. And I started reflecting on how many young people actually lost their lives. But in reflection of that, I realized that actually all these kids that are dying in the slums, it's not that they are smart. I knew so many of my friends who are smarter than I, uh, who are talented than I, and they ended up, you know, becoming nothing or just ending up in the grave. And so that thing started to become something that I never wanted to see anymore. And I wanted to do something about it. But in theory, I never wanted to do another charity because of what charities do. Uh, They come, they give us food on the streets, they give you clothes, they take pictures and they go. So I wanted to provide a long lasting solution to that problem. Because one thing I believed in during that time was that brilliance was equally distributed for all these young people, but opportunity was not. And so I reflected on how my life transformed and I realized if I could replicate this model to other young people, maybe I could form a company around it. So one day I quit my job. I met a girl called Megan. I told her, could you join my program? And I started with four young girls with a mission to create, um, to give them the skills they need, but also eventually finding them employment uh, opportunities. So Megan was my first employee and other two boys. And uh, that's how we started a company. So the idea of what we do is, what we train these young people, we also sell to the world
0: mm-hmm. so that
1: it's not just a, a program of just killing people. If we skill you, then we also employ you to deliver that service to companies around the world. So that's our model.
0: You said that you're offering your services to different companies. Um, what type of services is that? And to what sort of companies? Without naming names, obviously, perhaps you have your own clients, but just give us an idea.
1: Yeah. So uh, when we started out, there was a problem in the marketplace because as a social entrepreneur, if you're going to start a social enterprise, you know, you have to put in, in mind that you're not a charity. You're actually a business that has another responsibility to make the community better. And so for us, we found that out uh, that charities actually struggle to tell their stories, struggle to communicate. They don't have big budgets uh, to run uh, big media campaigns. They don't have enough budgets to hire a graphic designer in house, to hire a photographer in house. And so we realized that actually, can we model this thing into one package, retain a package that nonprofits around the world can just pay one flat rate and you access all these services. So we work with nonprofits around the world and social enterprises um, with the idea that we provide unlimited design subscriptions. You sign up to get video, graphics, reporting, and stuff like that on one flat rate. So you do not, any nonprofit out there doesn't need to hire any of those people full-time because Era 92 becomes an extension of your team just in Uganda. So that's the model we are doing right now. And we have at least 15 retainer clients um, of international development organizations.
0: So the other thing that I saw uh, while I was browsing your website is that all your profits are then uh, committed to upskill the young uh, youth, the talents in the slums. How do you recruit them or how do you spot these talents? Tell me more about that.
1: And when we started out, uh, I started out by training them myself in one room. And uh, that was time consuming. That was hard. So when we reached uh, about 40 young people, then we had to do a different program. So we started Era 92 Elevate, so you can get it. We have Era 92 Creative, we have another arm called Era 92 Elevate. So Elevate is an academy that uh, identifies young people from underserved communities, slums, and we pick them from those communities and then bring them to our center with an idea to spend one year with us. So young people spend one year, intensive one year with us, where they learn different skills uh, that they... Aspire to be, you know. We do not impose these skills to them. So, if someone comes and they want to do graphics, that's what they do. If someone wants to do website development, that's what they do. After that one year of you know intensive work, then we place them into places of internship. And the idea is that some of them actually come to our company right now. Running creative. Next week we are just uh, having a graduation of 300 young people, and at least uh, 10, 15 of those are going to come here and. In turn with us. So the model is simple. We identify scale, place, and finance. The last bit of our model is financing. So recently we started era 92 fund, which is like a microfinance, providing asset financing for young people who want to start their careers in business, um, careers in freelancing and stuff like that. So We offer them a computer and they pay them, we offer them a camera or a startup kit of their business, and then they pay that as they grow their business. So that's the model. And uh, the idea is for us to create 10,000 skilled jobs in the next uh, five years. And so we'll be using those three uh, avenues of it to creative, it to elevate, and it to fund to be able to achieve those jobs.
0: And speaking about uh, impact, you say that your your ambition or your mission is to scale ten thousand young Africans by twenty thirty. How far have you reached from that ambition?
1: You know, uh, in life, we prepare ourselves for just one moment like this, right? Uh, you can be uh, working as a software engineer just for one day when you're going to hit that opportunity. So for us, over the years, we've worked with over fifteen hundred young people, so we've been able to create over 1,500 skill jobs, but that has taken us seven years, right? And um, that's a long time, you know, because we've been trying to figure out the model and stuff like that. But now that we know we have the model, then it's going to be faster. So right now, within the next year, our goal is to create 1,000 skill jobs, you know, <laughs> that's almost doing a 90% of what we've been able to do in seven years in just one year. So what does that mean? Because right now we have a model. We have invented what we call the Elevate Booth. The Elevate Booth is a digital classroom that is put into a shipping container right now. So we put computers into that room. We cut a 40 feet container. We divide it into two, and then we have a space for about 20, 25 computers. We ship that thing to a designated area. And this is the area maybe young people in that place do not have access to phones, internet, and stuff like that. So the idea is to break that barrier that uh, young people in those areas can also access these digital skills opportunities on the internet and stuff like that. So we are planning to place at least fifteen digital classrooms in the next three years, and uh, each classroom costs twenty-five thousand dollars. But the idea that uh, we'll be able to scale at least across fifteen districts in Uganda, and that will be and each each and every one of them will be at least working with two thousand young people every uh, three years. So that means that in those years, we'll be able to make that impact and even more of that. So we are super, super, super excited about that.
0: You mentioned the 15 districts in Uganda. Is your plan to also expand and go outside of Uganda?
1: Yeah, of course. If You look at our moonshot on the website. Yes, um, definitely we'll have to already have uh, establishments to go to Kenya, Kibera Slams. Uh, so we are going to Kibera Slums because our work is centered around slum communities and underserved communities. So we are already partners in Kibera and uh, Mathari. And then from there, we believe that like, we'll have the momentum for the program and then we'll take it across Africa.
0: Another question I wanted to ask you about impact is that 70% of those that you are working with are girls in the underserved communities. Is that intentional?
1: Um, I think so <laughs> I think so when I looked around the community um the most vulnerable demographies uh was the young girls and uh the way I started the the company was actually centered around the store that I had so you remember I mentioned about Megan, but the time i I found Megan was she was at the verge of selling her body because the dad who was taking care of the family had broken his spinal cord. And this girl, of at least uh, she was 18 years, she was the one left with the responsibility to take care of the family. And what does that mean? She had to sell her body to raise $2 a day to provide meals, not even dry. And so I thought that was wrong. And so um, my heart uh, drifted towards, how can we help more young girls not end up in this endangered situation? And so, That's how we started. So Megan became an advocate for so many young girls in the slums because right now she's working with us for over those years. She has a department of at least uh, five other people working under her and uh, she has done a lot of influence in bringing other girls into the program. And so uh, maybe that has contributed hugely to why 70%. But also, uh, it's hard to work with boys, uh, especially when they're on drugs and stuff like that. So we have a lot of young boys who fall out the program, come back and stuff like that.
0: One question I had, and most of the time on this show, I, I speak to a lot of entrepreneurs. And many of them are also social entrepreneurs. What was for you or what continues to be a challenge at this point that has been quite difficult for you to overcome, but you managed to do it anyway?
1: One of the biggest challenges is the mindset of the type of the clients that you want to work with Uh, our target audience is the people in the West, uh, the clients in the West, uh, you know, UK, US. So there's been a a type of uh, challenge with a mindset shift. You know, when you tell someone that your website is going to be done in Africa, there's some cold feet over there. Okay. (laughs) This is going to be a good one. Right. And, um, when you tell them, okay, we want to send some clothes to Africa, they're going to rush because that's the easiest thing to do. Uh, but uh, my challenge has been to anyone who is listening that if you're in the West, if you're in the, anywhere around the world, for anyone who is doing work in Africa right now, it has to be about unlocking the potential that is underlying uh, in the lives of young people, in the places that you've heard of. And if you go to any community, that would be the solution that you bring. So. So many people couldn't look at us as a resource. They look at us as a place where they could send aid. I think that was very, very challenging. And so uh, that's a thing that I've been able to struggle with, but I'm still struggling with, but I've been able to achieve. So I have these new, the talks called the New Africa. So every time I go out to to travel in the US and the UK, I speak uh, from the point of the New Africa and how the West can actually interact with Africa right now. And so that has, open up conversations, because there are some people who are tired also of aid, right? So we have campaigns like, you know, give work, not aid. Instead of giving us aid, why don't you give us work from your company? It's an ongoing, we need to put in a lot of work, because even some Africans are still looking for charity. But there's a a group of uh, people like us who just want partnerships, investments, work, jobs come to Africa because that's gonna be the underlying point for us to break through this uh, vicious cycle of poverty is through putting money into people's pockets. You know, some of the times I ask the simple question, why are people poor? And I say, "Mm, maybe they don't have money. Yes, they don't have money, but where does the money come from?
0: So we spoke about challenges, but what is for you the, the biggest learning or what do you take out from the journey so far?
1: Some of the thing that blows my mind is what, how much talent is really dying and how much that we've been able to uh, discover. Recently, we just gotten up a young boy. He's just 19 years and um, I don't know where he came from, but this boy is smart, like he just blows my mind. He's so smart. He's, he's into coding software development and stuff like that. He's been part of the program for eight months and he has worked his way up. And for me, when I see things like this, one thing I I come to believe, like, you know, Africa can become the next big, uh, you know, global powerhouse, but we just have to tap into this untapped potential. And for me, that's still my unveiling learnings every single day. And if we focus on that potential, I think we can become the global powers that we're supposed to be in the next uh, you know 20 years. And so that's one of my learnings but I also I've also learned that the world can get beyond better and social entrepreneurship proves it's true. And so for me the impact that I've been able to have if we have a millions of other social entrepreneurs like me I mean a lot can be done a lot can be solved. I would say that my learnings that social entrepreneurship works. And we need more of those people. It's a very scary space to enter. It's attractive, but it's very scary. Uh, but I would encourage anyone, you know, to be part of this new revolution.
0: I'm curious to know now for you. I mean, it could be also an outlook in the future, but also how you see the situation at this point. You're working with you say you identify these young people. They unfortunately don't have the right condition because they live in slums. But are there other things that you see that can be done, and what would that be?
1: Yeah, the first thing I think we have to do is that. Um, we have to throw back ourselves back at education, but not the education that we've been having for over you know, 60 years of the colonialism and stuff like that. This time it has to be skill-based education and also education that is based on what is happening in the world and also future skills. Because at the end of the day right now, what we see is that, uh, okay, maybe the world, the waste can also start looking at Africa as an outsourcing area, like they look at India and China. But maybe if you come, if you bring Google right now in Kampala, maybe they will not get all the potential, all the talent they need, because some of it is not skilled enough. They are not leveled up, right? So what we need to do as Africans, as Ugandans, we need to really level our ground, as I said, so that we can now be able to, you know, get these fruits that are really low hanging, because. You know, when you look at the the West right now, you know people are aging. Um, people, uh, there's you know, everyone is hiring. Everywhere I go, I was in the U.S. Everyone is hiring. There's not enough people because most of them are just aging, retiring, and stuff like that. So Africa is going to be the answer for all of that. But as they have a problem, we also have a problem. And our problem is how can we accelerate the education that is relevant. And it's preparing people for the workforce and the opportunities that are available right now. I think that's going to be the first thing. And so that's going to be the government, the private sector, and any individual that is listening in.
0: So we're getting to the end of the conversation. If there's anything you want to add that we didn't mention, you know, just go ahead.
1: We've mentioned a lot, but, uh, you know, I always call people um, to join us, you know, on this movement, on our monologue to create 10,000 skill jobs. And the way to do that is partnership you can come and you know uh give us work you can come and train up young people volunteer with us here in uganda at our academy you can come and you know give your skills you can buy our services on our website all that stuff so and uh, anyone who is listening out there you know if you think about africa right now i'd love for you to think about bringing your business your talent to africa there's a lot of untapped potential here
0: Thank you for being part of the show, and I hope that we'll be able, through the Narratives of Purpose podcast, to, you know, amplify your voice a bit further and bring more attention, but also bring more awareness to people.
1: You're welcome. Thank you to my for, you know, amplifying these voices. God bless you.
0: Building brands for clients while building lives of young people? Through upskilling and empowerment is most certainly an impactful way to change the narrative, creating awareness of the untapped potential of youth in underprivileged communities across the continent. And I definitely like the New Africa movement that Trinity described in this conversation. You can learn more about Era 92 on their website at era92creative.com, that is spelled E R A. 92 com. You can also connect with Trinity on Instagram and LinkedIn. Just look up for Trinity Heavens spelled with a Z at the end. We have all these links for you, the website and the social handles in the show notes. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I appreciate you taking the time. That was episode 39, a conversation with Trinity Heavens on digital skilling of slum communities youth. Be sure to share this episode within your network and with your friends if you like it. We would love to read your feedback about our show on Apple Podcasts or get your rating on Spotify. You can also connect with us through our social handles. You'll find all the links on the website. At narratives of purpose.podcastpage.io. Until the next episode, take care of yourselves, stay well, and stay inspired. This podcast was produced by Tom at Rustic Studios.